Greetings, chodlings. Do you believe in miracles? Ladies and gentlemen, the impossible has happened. Everything beyond your wildest dreams. The Celtics have done the improbable and overcome the 23-point point differential and won Group C, advancing to the quarterfinals of the in-season tournament. We are going to talk about it all. This is Chuddy's Corner. Welcome in. I am your host for the night, King Chuddy. Joined tonight, not by Dugouts, who is off for some curious load management, but we are joined by a special guest, a founding father of Chuddy's Corner, our go-to sponsor, and the number one realtor in all of the United States of America, Nick Perino. Welcome back, Nick. How are we doing? Doing great. Let's... uh. Don't, you don't have to look up the stats on that number one realtor, by the way, but you can just take our word for it. Number one but in our is, hearts, folks. Number one in our hearts. It is good to be back. Um, I've missed it's it. It's been too um, long. I thank you and Dugouts for what you've done to the pod. Um, you know, your dedication and, uh, you know, availability has really helped Please. take this to the, the next level. And I wish, you know, I wish I could be more available for it, but it just wasn't in the cards, but I'm still, you know, I want to be here as much as can, much as I can. And I'm thinking, you know, jumping in every once in a while like this is, is what I'm going to be doing. So I'm glad to be a part of it. Well, we are certainly glad to have you. We appreciate the dedication to the real estate grind. We know that that game does not sleep. It is a 24 seven job. That's why, like I said, he's the hardest working man in real estate. He's the best sponsor that any podcast could have asked for. And uh, like I said, we are just thrilled to have him with us. So before we dig into anything, as I just mentioned, this is our sponsor, Nick Perino from nickperino.com. You're going to want to go there for any real estate needs you might have. Please follow the show, Chuddy's Corner. You can search it on Apple, Spotify, Google. We're on YouTube. Anywhere you get your podcasts, subscribe, like, give us a rating, give us a review. Follow all of that. Follow the show on Twitter at Chuddy's Corner. I'm at King Chuddy. He's at Nick underscore Perino. And of course, at Doug underscore Outs, our usual host. Not here tonight. I'm sitting in the host seat. We are going to riff on everything that just happened. And also on NickPerino.com, there are blog posts. We had the first edition yesterday of my own King Chuddy weekly NBA power rankings. I break down every team, 1 through 30, and those will be updated every Monday. We'll have risers. We'll have fallers. I will be happy to overreact based on what happened during the week. Those are going to be live based on how teams are doing. So follow the blog. Follow the podcast. We appreciate all the feedback, everything you can do. Tell us what you think. Interact. We love it all. All right. Let's get right into it. As I said in the intro, we came into the night knowing we needed a borderline miracle to happen. The Celtics needed to win by at least 23 points. They needed the Brooklyn Nets to win, but they needed them to win by fewer than eight points within what we won by. Well, that is exactly what happened. The Celtics dismantled the lowly Chicago Bulls 124 to 97. The game was never in doubt. Really, it was just the 23-point margin. And then... The team, the gift that keeps on giving, the Brooklyn Nets, the same team that are the reason we have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown gave us yet another gift tonight. They defeated the Toronto Raptors, allowing for a three-way tie in Group C with the Nets, the Celtics, and the Magic. Thanks to our 27-point win, we move on. Thanks 
to point differential. We win group C. We are into the quarterfinals. The East bracket is all set. We will take on the Indiana Pacers in a single game playoff. The Knicks will play the Bucks. The two winners will move on to Las Vegas to play in the East finals and ultimately the finals of the in-season tournament where they will compete for the NBA Cup. Woo! What a night. Fun game start to finish. Like I said, it was it was really just a domination, but it was all came down to the wire in terms of the points. If we'd be able to pull it out, ultimately we did. Super fun game. Super fun night of scoreboard watching, hoops watching, all across the league. Just a great night for the NBA. Great night for the Celtics. Nick, where do you want to start? Well, before coming into the game, I knew we had a shot, obviously, at the in-season tournament. But I think, for some reason, I was under the impression that it was like, very little chance that we were gonna we were still in this um and then once the game started unfolding and we started to have the you know the point differential clock um you know every whatever five minutes they were showing it was like oh wait we actually have a shot at this and not just a shot but a good shot um it just seemed like there were more variables than what ended up we ended up needing so you know the in-season tournament huge success i think it's you know it's not over yet but um, like we were talking about before the pod and even, you know, before the season started, the whole thing with the in-season tournament was getting the players to buy in. And if you can get the players to buy in, then it could be a huge success. Um, and I think for me, that was my biggest concern because it was like, you know, all-star game, dumb contest, all this stuff. It used to be some uh, a prideful, something, you know, that NBA players be proud of and you know you get stars in there and whatever and that obviously doesn't isn't necessarily the case anymore for the you know secondary competition so when we started talking about the in-season tournament and getting the buy-in from the stars that was kind of where my hesitation was but clearly it's important to them um I don't know if it's just you know more exposure and you know winning for the end of the bench guys who might not you know might need that five hundred thousand dollars or whatever and I mean (laughs) It's not that nobody. It's not that even even the max guys would love five hundred thousand dollars. I'm sure, but um, you know, it's more important for some players than others. So I think you know they're kind of playing for each other. And then the biggest thing is, um, you know, these end of the game scenarios that you just you don't have in the NBA or really any sport. I mean, what's is what's the soccer? One is the tiebreaker. Soccer, point differential. Yeah, yeah you're right. That's where they Goal differential. Yeah, so, I mean, that's like an element of, you know, American power sports that you just don't have, really. <laughs> yeah. Um, which makes, it's a whole new element to the game. It's a blast. Um, but, you know, that's just in-season tournament. I kind of went off yeah. on a tangent there. but No, that's um, true. And I think the biggest thing also, beyond what you mentioned, the biggest thing with all of it, I think, is just like you said, the reason the players, I think, are buying in is just because they're competitive. These are NBA players who have been competing right. their whole lives. You put, it doesn't matter what the stakes are. It's a tournament. It's single elimination. It's do or die. These guys are so competitive. They're so prideful. You see the buy-in. The star players are competing and buying in. Everyone, Everyone's going to trickle down from there. You see guys trying. Everyone else is going to try. They're obviously all trying. The teams are all playing their asses off. They're coaching like it's playoff games. I mean, you saw... We were using playoff rotations. We were up by 29 points. Joe put the starters back in with six minutes left. He's doing hack a drumming, fouling. Like, we're playing like it's a championship game, a one-point game on the line. And that's not, you know, not unique to the Celtics. That's all around the league. So the buy-in is instantaneous, and, and that's all it takes. If you're a basketball fan, you see these guys competing like it's do or die. I mean, what what more do you want as a fan? Like, this couldn't be more of a success in my eyes. 
Yeah, and um, you know when uh, when Joe went over to Billy Donovan too, right in like the middle of it, you saw him like, hey, you know we're uh, we're playing for something more than just you know blowing you guys out. We're not just yeah. trying to. Yeah, it was it, it was funny because I mean it's obviously go, I'm sure yeah I'm sure he knew that but I think he just wanted to you know go over and because I don't know maybe Donovan Billy Donovan didn't know like what the stakes were for the Celtics well so if he doesn't okay, know we're not, trying, we're not trying to embarrass you but if he doesn't know that that was what's happening he should be fired tomorrow and for the record he should well, be fired tomorrow either way for his performance but if that's he doesn't true. know the rules of the in season tournament and he thinks that we're just running up the score because we're assholes then he should be fired either I'm just but that's beside the point. I mean, some of the players, it sounds like some of the players didn't know that. Um, who was it that got pissed off recently? DeMar DeRozan, uh, who we played tonight. Oh, was DeRozan? Yeah. 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 DeRozan so, I mean, got ejected. I don't know. Maybe, for... <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe the Bulls just aren't paying attention to the rest of the league, so I don't well, know. Maybe, maybe Joe's just be... uh, reminding <laughs> are, him. But either way, that was... That... Funny moment. Either way, it was funny. Yes. Yeah, I mean, the Bulls are, are out of it. I mean, let's talk about the game for a minute. Like I said, we don't need to break down the game a lot because this one was basically over before it started. But, I mean, you could see it on both ends. The Celtics dominated. They came out. They did what we want to see, move the ball. I mean, the, the ball movement in the first quarter, we were 8 of 16 on threes in the first quarter. It was like the sh- getting great looks every time down. The shots are falling. The Bulls' offense is such a grind. They're just passing it around, settling for jump shots. I mean, Zach Levine, who's supposed to be the best player on their team, had – two points like midway through the third quarter they are just what a sorry team that is right now i mean we've talked about a lot of bad teams but the bulls they might be the actual like sorriest team in the league right now if you're a bulls fan that's such a tough watch because they don't have any young players to get excited about they don't really have any good picks coming up their quote-unquote stars are basically all overpriced so like i don't even think they have much trade value they seem out of it like that team they they just look ready to quit on the season, you know, a, a month in, which is super depressing. One of the most storied franchises in the league. It's just, it's kind of sad to see, honestly, how, how pathetic they are. But um, good get-right spot opportunity for the Celtics. If you go in knowing you need to win by 23, I guess this was the team to do it against. Um, I was a little worried that they might be thinking kind of too much about the point differential and coming out with that in mind, but it, it didn't seem to matter. The Celtics just played like a machine on both ends. I mean, again, forcing hard shots at 21 assists in the first half, which is just an outrageous number. And it goes to show how well we were moving the ball, how well we were setting up shots and, and guys were hitting their shots tonight. I mean, it, it was the, the starters. Good to see Drew holiday back in there. He didn't play great, but I thought Derek was amazing. Jalen had a great game. Tatum was, uh, his stats weren't super gaudy, but the way Tatum was playing at, against that team, like to use the analogy, it looked like he was kind of like that queen on the chessboard where he just knew that he could do, like, everything that other guys, nobody else could really do. And um, he was kind of picking his spots, doing a little of everything on both ends. Great to see. The bench guys came in. Pritchard was shooting the lights out. Hauser made some shots. Obviously, had that monster putback dunk. He's a machine. Uh, I thought Cornette was great. Banton came in, gave great minutes. Like, uh, top to bottom, just great performance by the Celtics. Great to see him play that way. Again, the opponent is is pretty pretty pathetic but um i mean regardless like i I almost i was trying to find like things that i didn't like with the celtics but it it really just feels like nitpicking to say almost anything was wrong i mean they had nine turnovers in the first half but again when you have 21 assists you're gonna live with that gave up 7-0 rebounds in the first half but i mean same thing like anything anything feels like nitpicking this was just pure pure domination start to finish they went out Knowing they needed that 23-point win, uh, I think they had the lead at, at times as high as 35. 
Uh, got a little dicey down the end. I think the Bulls got it to like 25. I think the Bulls had a couple trips in the last two minutes where if they hit a three, I think they could have cut it to 23. But uh, yeah. like I said, the Bulls are just pathetic, and they did not do that. Um, so we coasted to victory, and really then the biggest sweat of the night was seeing if uh, the Nets could close it out. As I was I had on the other screen, I had Nets-Raptors. The Nets were up by one with, I think, three minutes left, and that was we needed the Nets to win, or none of this would have even mattered. Um, and that, that happened. And that's, like I said, the gift that keeps on giving, they held on. And just a quick side note for anyone who's confused about the format and why like this worked out the way it was, I can try to explain it to you real quick. So basically the magic had already finished. They were three and one and they had a plus 22 point differential. If we were the only other team that tied the magic, we both would have been three and one at the top of the group. If it was a two-team tie, the tiebreak would have been head-to-head. Obviously, the Magic beat us, so they would have won the tiebreak and moved on. Since the Nets won, that meant there were three teams in the group that were 3-1. and one. So then the tiebreaker, instead of being head-to-head, since it's three teams, became point differential. The Magic had a plus 22. We, that's why we needed the 23. We got over them. The Nets went into tonight with plus 8. So as long as they didn't win by enough points to exceed our plus whatever... It didn't matter. So we ended up plus 27 with our win tonight as we came in at zero. The Magic, of course, were plus 22. The Nets were plus eight. Then it actually got a little hairy because the Nets got up by 14. And if they could have stretched their win to 19, they actually would have snuck in with a higher point differential. Uh, But they missed a couple shots, ended up winning, I think, uh, Scotty Barnes or Ananobi hit a three at the buzzer. So it won by 12. So their point differential didn't match. So long-winded way of saying the Celtics ultimately won Group C. On the point differential, we won the three-way tie. All three teams were three and one, so we moved on. That is why, um, just great, like I said, great fun, great fun watching all of this stuff that otherwise would have just been kind of random regular season blowouts that didn't matter, and I'm over here, you know, on my feet watching the final minutes of Nets versus Raptors like it's a playoff game, so... uh, that's that was the NBA's goal to make fans care about regular season games in November. And like I said, I think I, they couldn't have succeeded more. I was completely locked in and uh, I, I got the laptop going on the side here with NBA crunch time. I'm now watching the West, watching the great Thunder Timberwolves game and, and Rockets Mavs. Like I am completely in season tournament pilled, hook it into my veins. Can you explain that one more time? I think I, I just missed uh, that little part of the game. No. So I get it. it makes sense, but either way, the the whole point of that is that it's it's a, it's fun and it's something to root for and whatever. And not to not to pile on the the Bulls too much because obviously you talked about how pathetic and sorry it's, they are. It's sad for for a good fan base and a proud franchise. I, it's yeah. honestly sad. But, but I think you know I think they've I hope they've realized at this point it's just it's time to break it down. Um, and I know they're stars. I mean, it's too late to get value. I think if that's what you're, well, yeah, well, if that's yeah. what you're saying. But I think, <laughs> exactly. I think, I, I think the point is get rid of just get whatever you can for whoever. Just well, empty the roster. Point, you're gonna have to give up picks to get rid of that Vucevic contract. I mean, he is beyond washed, and he has multiple more years guaranteed at over twenty million. He can barely play. Levine is their only good player, but again, I, if he's, I, I don't, I don't know. He's too high usage, not inefficient enough, uh, not efficient enough. Doesn't play great defense. Like if he's one of your top, your top guy or your second guy, again, like they pay three guys the way that like a championship team should, and none of those yeah. three guys are good enough. So I just don't know. Right. Like 
for that Levine contract and his injury history, what what is the team giving up? Like, I, I'm I think not only is it is the team now depressing, but I just think if they do trade these guys, which they like, I guess they have to. I think the return is going to be probably even more depressing. Like, I think. I think that I've said this before on the pod when we talked about Levine being on the block, but I think the return is going to be more like a, a Bradley Beal type of return where they can get like a few, maybe a few contracts and some second round picks. Like, I don't think anyone's given up for major first round picks or like good young talent for Zach Levine at this point. Uh, definitely not for Vooch. DeRozan, like maybe a team can convince themselves that he would be like a good third piece on a contender. But uh, I mean, he's still, he does that ISO game. It still looks pretty smooth, but uh, I, I, like I said, it's pretty bleak. Honestly, their best, the the most valuable trade asset they have might be Alex Caruso because I think he could actually yeah, help a contender as a role player and has a great contract. But I don't know what do you, what someone maybe someone would give up like a late a late first, maybe a first and a protected first. Like I I don't know. But again, it's hard to look around the league and find teams who kind of have like less hope because they have all of their young players who they've drafted recently seem like whiffs. Pat Williams, he shows flashes, but man, like. Ugh, they could have they could have had Halliburton. They could have they could have done so much more with that pick. He seems like his ceiling is like a good role player at best. Uh, I mean, Kobe White, disastrous pick. Uh, I mean, th- like I said, they really have no like young promising assets. Obviously, they traded Wendell Carter and two picks for Vucevic, which those picks turned into uh, Franz Wagner and um, geez, I-, I forget who the other guy was. Anthony Black, maybe. Um, this year's pick. I've, I've, either way, they traded two lottery picks and, and um, Wendell Carter for Vucevic, which just seems like a trade that gets worse by the day. Uh, they've traded other picks. I think they traded a pick to Portland for somebody. Either way, so like I said, the Bulls, they really have no good young players to invest in. They have no picks, and I'm not sure they have much that they can trade to get assets. So even if they do finally commit to the rebuild, which would be long overdue, I think it's going to be years before they can really start to reap the benefits and kind of turn the corner. So, uh, again, this isn't a Bulls podcast, but uh, one of the grimmest the grimmest outlooks for the present and future, I would say, maybe in the entire NBA. And like I said, one of the most storied franchises in the NBA. So just sad to see that fan base deserves better. But um, tonight, the Celtics are the beneficiaries, so, uh, so be it. Right. And, I mean, to go back... <laughs> Not to keep going on the Bulls, but, um, <laughs> you know, obviously the value isn't there for the, what these guys, what they used to be. So, like you said, like a couple seconds, whatever they got for Bradley Beal, something like that. Just some contracts, expiring deals, whatever. If they can get something like that for Levine, got to pull the trigger. You got to just rip the bandaid off with that one. Um, like you're saying about DeRozan, too. I mean, you know, I don't know what his contract is, but he's still a contributor. He can be, he can be a good player for, you know, a good team, you know, like a third, fourth scoring option, something like that. Um, he's still, you know, he can get to his spot. He can, you know, make shots. He's he's a good player still. So, uh, he's not, I think they were kind he's of ex- hoping he would be like, I he's think they were hoping he would be a little on, uh, bit more. DeRozan's expiring on $28.6 so not sure oh. they're going to get a ton back for that. I mean, decent contract, but again, he's expiring, so... Yeah. It would have to be a contender who's like we're desperate for one more piece and kind of convinces themselves he can be the guy. But uh, again, DeRozan, mm. th- the problem is too, they're all guys who need the ball. Like, I don't think DeRozan is a fourth right. option. What does he do for you? He's not like a floor spacer. He's not going to stand in the corner. So if, if you're getting DeRozan, well, I think it's, it's to give him the ball and let him run the show. And if he's running the show for you, I, I just don't think you're a good team. Like, it, it's tough. I think DeRozan, 
I think DeRozan right now would be a great sixth man, to be honest. But that's a lot of money for yeah. the sixth man, obviously. Well, uh, yeah, but like if I said, have, if he buys if, in and you can make it work, maybe like the Warriors, someone like that who just yeah. needs something. Uh, but eh. I mean, even if you have like a like a younger team that's like. I'm not saying Orlando, but a team like that where they're like, yeah. you know, they're making sure. a playoff push. They have they have some money, and they're like, you know, let's get a veteran to come off the, you know, be the six man yeah. off the bench. But the we'll give the vibes up are so couple good. seconds or whatever. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, just show. Maybe then it's kind of like you're showing the kids, like, hey, we believe in you. We're going out and we're trading for a veteran. We want to, you know, we think we're. A yeah, but do you really want to take the ball out of Paolo and Franz's hands no, and even Suggs and Fultz? Like when that that team's deep too. Who are you going to take minutes away from Isaac? Like, I'm just, I, I don't I'm know. just trying to think of a, <laughs> a team where where it might fit. No, I but um, but yeah, I'm saying you know, but he is expiring, so I guess it's not like a crucial update. We'll see. All right, we've spent probably already way too much time talking about the pathetic Bulls. We can do a full pod trying to. Uh, <laughs> Trying to save the Bulls, I'm not sure it's salvageable, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, in terms of the game, like we already said, this is about this is exactly the way we want to see the Celtics play. Um, and the Bulls offer little resistance. They have a bad offense, a bad defense. The Celtics were playing fast. And we were moving the ball. The ball movement was great. Um, multiple great passes. Derek White, when he's out there playing like this, he looks great. Uh, his three's been a little cold lately. That was not the case tonight. He seemed to find his jump shot. Derek was back shooting. Uh, Tatum made a few great passes. He had one beautiful pocket pass off the double where he just bounced past it right through the double team, I think, to Derek for a dunk. Uh, beautiful pass. Um, like I said, I just go down the list. You know, Al, four of six on threes. Derek, two of three on threes. Drew, four of five on threes. Brown, three of eight. Tatum, actually, only two of eight was probably the worst. Uh, Hauser, only two of ten, I guess. Pritchard, three of seven. But Banton even hit a three. Uh, so again, when the Celtics have the three pointers going to the tune of 21 of 49, they are almost impossible to beat. And the bulls just let us move the ball, do whatever we wanted. The Celtics were shooting 65%, uh, from the floor at half 54% from three at half. I already mentioned they had 21 assists in the first half, which is just absurd. 13 of 24 shooting threes in the first half. I mean, that's the Celtics aren't going to lose very many games at all when they play like that. So like I said, it was just it was highlight reels left and right. I thought uh, the challenge by Joe was awesome. He's had some challenges that I really don't like. Uh, and to me, I don't care that he challenged early. It was in the first half. If you're challenging something that like directly changes points, I'm into it. So like I hate challenging just like an out of bounds call where no points are being had or like a non shooting foul, anything like that. But it was Levine went up. Brown had a clean block. They called it a foul. So not only did it take away the two free throws from Levine, but the ball went off Levine, so the Celtics got the ball. To me, that's two points and possession. That's a huge swing. Those are the kind of challenges you make, regardless of when it is. Joe won it. Great challenge. Good to see that. It was a great block by Jalen. Um, I mean, beyond that, it was, again, Bulls, they were, try they were making some decent passes. They were, it seemed like they were just dropping the ball. Left. They were throwing it out of bounds. Pat Williams dropped, like, two passes that it seemed like he actually made nice cuts for layups. Uh Again, like it's it's just sad to see this team. Their body language is so bad. It, it looked like they didn't want to be there, and this is you know, not even twenty games, not even a quarter of the way into the season. It's really bad to see. Uh, Horford, great night on both ends. He had some huge blocks. He's hitting threes. He's jumping out there doing it all. Uh, it's it's just amazing to see what he's doing at thirty-seven years old. Truly. Um. Not much else to say. I mean, it's just like an awesome game. Again, I already mentioned the doing the hack and drum in with seven minutes left is just absolutely hilarious um strategy wise like and that's 
that would be the part where again if billy donovan's gonna be like all right really like i, I get you're trying to win and play as hard as you can but you're going to hack and drumming but i love it joe we've talked relentlessly about how joe is an absolute psycho and that perfectly showcased his psychotic nature to do something like that but uh the in-season tournament baby you know catch the fever you gotta love this stuff uh, not much else to say about this particular game. Like I said, a team we definitely should beat, and we pretty much dismantled them on both ends. Uh, you know, scored 124 points is great. Held them to 97 points is great. So not much else to say on the game itself. I don't know if you got anything else you want to add. Uh, the uh, the Porzingis interview, I don't know if you caught that, but they had Porzingis yeah. interviewed. Uh, awkward. Awkward. Inter- awkward. <laughs> yes. Totally awkward interview. I don't know if they just – it seemed like they had never talked before. There's no chemistry between any of those guys. I don't know if there's like a language. Seems like Porzingis has not. never given an interview before in his life. It was very awkward. They asked him if like his relationship with Jalen Brown was real. They're like, so is that like real? He's like, yeah, we, we sit on the bus together. I'm like, okay. And then they're like, so you're going to get him to go to Latvia in the off season? He's like, uh, I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> Thrilling. Yeah, it's great. Real, a real, a real, uh, a deep look inside of Porzingis's head there. That was pretty funny uh, but, stuff. Uh, all the more reason to hope he gets back on the court quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was actually one thing in my notes. I was I was writing how, uh, I mean, I had a bunch of notes from, like, the first, you know, half and three quarters and everything. Yeah. But the further they, got into the game, it was like, there's they really almost no became point talking about any of this. Yeah. yeah. Um, the only, I mean, the, the, before the first time out, I guess maybe we were, was not concerning, but we weren't really moving yeah. the ball. We were kind of just going was, by... Yeah. 13-13. Living and dying by the threes. Yeah, and then we came out of that timeout, and that's pretty much where it all started. Um, that was a wrap. Banton came in. He had that nice block. Um, yeah. He, is, he listed, is he listed as a guard? He's a point guard, but he plays like he's, a power he, forward. He's like, they showed him, like, him and Al walking shoulder to shoulder, and he's looks like he's as tall as Al. I don't know if he's really, like, 6'9", but he's, he's a big guy, for, especially for a point guard. Six seven. Oh, he's right. huge. Um, yeah, but like he's, I like the minutes he's been getting lately. He's, you know, yeah. he's a high energy guy, and for the deep bench, that's what we're, you know, we've been saying all Absolutely. along. We just need guys to come in and, you know, change the energy or not even change it, just keep it going, make a big yeah. play. He had a big block, no, he's... and then after that, we were off to the races. Pritchard made a couple threes. We had yeah. what eight or nine threes in the first quarter. I think he said eight. Um, Eight. So eight of sixteen in the first quarter, then thirteen to twenty-four for the first half on threes. Just absurd shooting. I also thought it was interesting that Caruso was on Hauser to start uh, when he first came into the game. So you know that Hauser's in people's heads now. Hauser's legit. Sam is. Yeah, he's, he's, he's playing great. One thing I've been, th- one thing I've been thinking about Hauser too. And I keep saying to myself is what I wanted Hauser to be is a poor man's version of who Hauser is right now. So if that makes any <laughs> yeah. sense. So basically who Hauser is right now, I wanted him to be a lesser yeah. version of that. All, all we ever wanted Hauser was to be able to stand in the corner, space the floor and hit threes. And he is so much more like he's, a, yeah, he's a he's, good. I would say he's an above average defender. Uh, he moves great around the court. He can pass. Well, he can put the ball on the floor a little bit. I mean, he's dunking left set a career, right? like <laughs> set a career high in dunks. Yeah. No, Hauser's like a very, very solid yeah. player. We, I'm, I'm glad they've gave him the chance because he has paid it off. And that, I mean, that contract looks like one of the best in the league now. Yeah, I mean, it's the more he plays, the you know, the better it looks and the better he looks. So, um, yeah. 
I mean, you know, he could go through he could go through a slump of a few weeks where he's not hitting threes, and but that's expected but, of you know. But he, but the happens. thing is, now he's he's still playable even without hitting the threes because he's doing everything else so well. He's not a liability like before. If he's a liability on defense and without shooting, then it's tough to play him if he's slumping. But now he's so good yeah. at everything else. Even if he's not hitting threes, he's still like a solid player out there. He's big. He re- he crashes the boards. He plays D. I mean, he's just a very very solid role player, and he's an absolute sniper to boot. Like. Huge, huge part of this team right now. Uh, the Banton minutes, I couldn't agree more. Banton, you know 100% when he goes in there, he is going to fly around like a maniac. He's going to pass mm-hmm. the ball. He's going to rebound. He's going to keep plays alive. He does all that things. Tonight, he even hit a three. That's just like a bonus yep. on top of it. You know, those are just like bonus points. So, uh, love the minutes he's given us, and I'm glad that they're, they're using him more. It seems like he's earned that. So, happy to see it. Um Cornette was great. Uh, no, no Keita minutes tonight, so it'll be interesting yeah. to see. I thought I thought Nemes Keita was great the other night. Uh, went back to Luke tonight again. I mean, we, we won by 27 and just dominated, so you can't really argue with anything. It's just uh, interesting to see if that was more of a one-off or how they're going to use Keita going forward. But like I said, it's hard to hard to make any real uh, takeaways from from what we just saw in that game. Yeah, and I think coming out of like back to Luke, he's. When he's played, his minutes have been good. And coming yeah. into the second quarter, we went with that Tatum, White, Pritchard, Hauser, Cornette lineup. And mm-hmm. I I think that's a pretty good lineup, especially coming out of the second into yeah, the second yeah. quarter. You have Tatum, Tatum and Tatum then, and you know. Mostly bench has always been a good lineup for us, and that just remains. Right. Tatum is obviously an on-off machine. You can put Tatum with anybody, right. and he's going he's gonna to rise up and find a way. But, yeah, when those guys are spaced on the floor and he's got shooters around him and stuff, yeah, no, that, that's a very good lineup. Yeah, so that's a good lineup to I think to start with, especially coming into the second quarter. Um, and another thing I kind of, sort of a, an overall view of the game was we had a lot of two man game going with a bunch of different players. Yeah, and White and Tatum. I think White and Tatum. There was uh, White, White and, and Cornette. Uh, Cornette, like yeah. two a couple yeah. plays in a row where they did pick and roll. Yeah. It's like so it makes me you know all the more frustrated than we have these games where we're just going into isolating games or whatever. And yeah. Our, our, That's true. Uh, you know, our offense can stagnant. We have, like, you know, five pairs of players that we can pick and roll with and be, <laughs> you know, above yeah. average. So, you know, th- there's nothing wrong with the occasional ISO, obviously. But, sure. um, you know, Drew, Drew and Al had a nice a nice little stretch. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tatum and anybody. I mean, that Tatum to <laughs> yeah. Ban- Tatum, that Tatum to Banton pass was like, that, yeah, that, that uh, little drop-off from... Tatum mm-hmm. to Banton, where he had that like easy layup, was an unbelievable yeah. pass. Like, yeah, nobody, Ta- there was nobody there. But he he passed the ball where Banton ended up yeah. going. Like, he it's, it's almost like Banton didn't know. But it's almost like Banton didn't know he was supposed to go there. It was like Tatum right, put right, the right. ball over here, and yeah. Banton was like, "Oh, I guess I'll go get the ball he, and lay it up." It was, he passed it in a spot that, and made Banton go there, and Banton went exactly. Like, oh, a wide open layup, cool. No, Tatum's passing exactly. has been one of the most impressive and biggest developments it's probably goes a little under the radar when people look and are like maybe you think tatum is kind of the same as he was last year i think the biggest difference probably the most noticeable thing is probably how good at passing he is especially how good he is he's become so absolutely money at um playing out of the double team at this point it's like he just expects it he waits for it and he just reads the floor and uh, reads those double teams so well, and that's become such a such an advantage for the Celtics. You can't double Tatum, and especially that's why you know with those lineups in there, he's getting wide open looks for the Housers of the world, and it's great to see. And I mean, another thing about Luke Cornette, 
it's so nice to see he just knows his role so well and plays so within himself. Like, he just sets a hard screen, he goes right to the rim with his arms up, he gets the ball, he goes right up. Like, he never tries to do anything that's outside of his skill set. Um, and it's not pretty, but it's just the most, you know, business-like every time. And that's, you know, the, like you said, those it was like two possessions in a row with him and White, and he just set a good screen, sprinted right out to the rim, and caught the ball, kept it up for a layup, like... It's just great to see those role players filling their roles and everyone's kind of buying in and it seems like we're really, this rotation, these top eight, nine guys are really, really starting to find themselves, play together, the chemistry's picking up, you can see it unfolding. Again, the Bulls absolutely blow, so uh, good team to yeah. kind of look good against, but uh, I think I think there's a lot of stuff that we've seen, not just in this game, it's it's becoming trends and it's all all good things for the Celtics. And let's not forget the Cornette contest that actually led to a block this time. So a yeah. Cornette contest at the rim that resulted yeah. in a ball being deflected mm -hmm. off of his hand, actually. So that was that was good. Maybe yeah. that's a development for him. But and it seems like he's when it, that to some other guys. I've seen some other guys on the team doing the Cornette contest, too. So I, I think it's catching on. Well, it means the, the rule of verticality. It's Scal's favorite phrase. I mean, if you're in mm -hmm. the paint, you go straight up with two hands and you're you know, a long guy like that, you're going to you yep. disrupt some shots and maybe get some blocks. So, I mean, it, if you're not going to get out there and contest the shot, it's a great move. And also with all the rules that they have about fouling three pointers with landing in the airspace, setting them on the arm, jumping out and doing a late contest, really all you're doing is risking a foul where, you know, a good NBA shooter, a late contest isn't doing anything anyway. So all the more reason why the Cornet contest is valuable because you are not risking a foul at all. Um, so, right. I mean, I think it's people think it's like a gimmick and laugh at it, but it's honestly like super effective and, and really kind of yeah. a smart, heady play. I've seen Porzingis was doing it a few times when he was in there, too. And another, I mean, you're that tall, like it, you yeah. should be doing it. It's genius. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason so. not to do it, I guess, other than you just don't feel like jumping. But overall, I think, you know, you, you mentioned Tatum having. Uh, Statistically, I guess, sort of a pedestrian game for him, you could say. Um, and, I mean, if you look at the box score, obviously. But there was a lot that Tatum did that I thought really stood out to me this game. And were, like, yeah. really great examples of Tatum's overall progression. Um, yeah. Even though, you know, didn't really show up in the box score. But, um, like you said, his passing and, like we said, you know, the bank pass and the ones that obviously stand out. Um and his it's just the way he controls him. the game yeah and he's his him getting totally in, the paint in control and... when he's out there he knows exactly what he wants to do and he's just so deliberate so much purpose like i said it's it's all i can think of is that analogy or the queen on the chessboard it's like he is yeah. totally controlling the entire court no matter where he is at all times yeah the last couple of years or you know before tatum might have you know sometimes when you get the ball in the post he gets doubled. He doesn't exactly know what to do with it. But this yeah. time, it's not that. It's that, you know, that old saying that the game slows down for, you know, a player mm -hmm. the longer they're in the league. And every, I think every, you know, superstar, every great player has that moment or that year where they're like, oh, the game, like, finally slowed down. So I'm thinking maybe that's just where we've gotten to this point. Um, yeah. And because, you know, out of the post, he's unbelievable. And oh, my it's, God. Passing, that, yeah, that, out of the it's double. The passing, the passing and the post game are the two thing, biggest things this year that, uh, to me, he's improved on and, and just take his game to a whole nother level. Yeah. But it's, and he's because still picking he... his spots because it was at that one time, too. He came down, hit two threes in a row, and it was just so devastating. It's like, oh, if he's doing that, too, you stop, you finally stop everything else, and he just comes down and hits two contested threes. And it's like, all right, what do you, how do you stop that? Right. And his, you know, being – 
a big part of his post game is the footwork because and helping him it's helping him and you know being able to pass out of it too is because you know I love it when he's you know kind of sideline maybe outside the paint uh, post up backs down gets into the paint and then he has just like unbelievable footwork where he you know he's just dancing up and around in between people he's either getting fouled or you know yeah. getting like an easy layup if 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 they're not doubling him then he's mm-hmm. just doing that and if he does get doubled he knows where to go and he's like you know he understands how to make the pass that leads to the pass that scores the bucket. You know, he's not just worried about <laughs> yeah. being like, yeah. oh, the guy, you know, the guy on the opposite end of the court's open. I have to try and you know, rocket a pass mm-hmm. cross court to him. He's like, no, I get it to this guy who's you know, uh, you know, wherever he passes it to him. Like he, he's seeing it two steps ahead now, which um, you know is a good sign for you know any emerging superstar when you know looks like the game is finally starting to slow down for them. Um, and then not only that, but I've been, I know people, we've talked about his rebounding. It's been great this year. Um, but there was one possession early. Uh, I think it was in the first quarter. Um, he was off the ball. Like he wasn't really involved in the play. Uh, he was like hanging around by like the elbow or something. Um, mm-hmm. The ball, the ball was going around the three. Uh, so they were swinging it around. And once they started swinging it, Tatum boxed out his guy. It was someone smaller. I forget who it was. Boxed out the guy all the way out at the elbow, got position, and then the ball was shot. It was like, you know, he got an easy, because he was boxing out the guy, you know, five seconds before the ball was shot, he got an easy uh, easy offensive rebound, put it up, easy too. It was like, that's just like, that's not something that, you know, you're going to hear a lot about the, you know, the box outs and right. um, things like that. But no. it was, uh, it was beautiful. The little it was things. beautiful to watch. Yeah. It was a little it thing, was. and that's it's not just you know being up there in the trees and coming down with a huge a huge rebound. it's the things leading up to it, like he knew he wasn't gonna get the ball mm-hmm. in that play. It was set up for someone else, so he's like, "I'm gonna get position, I'm gonna right. get down low, and if we miss the shot, I'm gonna be in position for an offensive rebound and yeah, that's what and happened. we've talked a lot on this show all year about maybe the biggest potential weakness of the Celtics team is rebounding um and I think Tatum is a big part of that, especially where we're not playing much double bigs anymore. He is essentially our power forward. He's 6'10". He's super athletic. He's a big dude. And I think he he knows he has to commit very seriously to the glass. And, and you can tell it makes a difference when he's down there battling. He, he can get 10, 12 rebounds a game. I mean, he could easily average 10 rebounds a game this year. And when he's locked in in playoff games, I won't be surprised at all if he's getting 12, 15 rebounds a night. Um, And, you know, he has to do it. And the fact that he is doing it so, so well, like, is so huge. And again, that's that can mitigate one of potentially the biggest weaknesses for the Celtics. If Tatum and Brown and the guards and really everyone to a lesser extent crashes the rebounds. Like we we've talked about it ad nauseum, but it's going to take a team effort all year. It's the kind of, they can't kind of get complacent and just sit back and uh, watch the ball. They all have to crash the glass. And when you see your best player doing it with that, it, it just makes everyone else fall in line. You watch Tatum work like the play you just mentioned to get rebounds how can you watch that and, and not go bust your ass for rebounds yourself? So uh, those are the kind of things that leaders on championship teams do. Yeah, that's what that's what I was going to say, too, when you said, you know, the leaders of the teams are doing everything it takes. He's, if you have someone like Tatum, the guy at the top of the totem pole, you know, fighting for rebounds, fighting for offensive rebounds, you know, not being selfish, making the right passes, playing hard on defense, 
it's gonna make everyone else do that. It's just, that's just the natural mm-hmm. pecking order of the NBA. That's how it works. So yeah. you know, it's nice to see him leading from, you know, leading from the front. Um, that's what leaders do. That's what champions do. So hopefully, yeah. it's a good good sign of things to come. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. Um, great stuff all the way around. So Nick, since again, this is your first time on the show since the preseason. Before we dip into around the NBA, are there any other kind of macro Celtics takes that you've been dying to get off your chest? Uh, or if not, we can move um, to around the NBA. Al Horford is really, really good. Um, I think you yeah. might have mentioned that already at one point. <laughs> um, the last couple of games with without I, I, you know, I love Porzingis, but I keep forgetting once in a while that we actually have Porzingis just because of how well he's been playing. So I mean, yeah. that's kind of you know the reason why you have Al there, I guess. Definitely, um, you know, so that's that's what we needed because we knew, you know, we know people are going to miss games, and Al's looks like a spring chicken out there. So um, hopefully, <laughs> he really you know, does. Hopefully, he can. Hopefully, we can keep him fresh. Um, I don't know the Jalen Brown backdoor cut this year. That development is uh, unbelievable. Well, it's it's not a, it's not a and, development. It was it was last year. It was one of their go to plays, but it was Marcus Smart and Jalen. It was the Smart would bring the ball down, would yeah. sprint the ball up right at Jalen. Jalen would back cut, and that was like an automatic backdoor layup. It was one of our most effective plays. I was worried that without Smart, that might be gone. But it seems like multiple other guys Porzingis and Al yeah. now too the bigs now have kind of taken that over and that yeah. remains a huge part of that offense and it's like twice a game it's just an easy uncontested dunk for Jalen but uh, yes yeah, it's just it's just a weapon an easy bucket if you can you know if you catch yeah. you catch someone sleeping it's um like you said yeah it, that's it, it was him, him and Marcus ran it ran it a lot but being able to run it with you know whoever's on the court now is is huge um yeah. What else? The Derek White floater is one of my favorite yeah. shots. He's got that float game. Um, oh. It's nice to have Pritch, you know, his confidence back. He looks he looks mm-hmm. pretty much like his old self the last couple of games. Um, he's got confidence. Yeah. Uh, what are, anything else great. macro that I had here? <laughs> That's pretty much it. Um, yeah. Jalen Brown, his – I love – I've always loved Jalen coming out aggressive, you know, the start halves. Yeah. First quarter, Jalen. Even though when he's locked in like that right away, it so uh, sets the tone. Yeah, and even even to start the second half, he he came out, you know, put his head down, attacked the rim. When he's going, you know, beeline to the rim and just shrugging bodies off of him because you know he's so strong and just getting easy layups. That's you know that's my favorite. That's my favorite uh, version of Jalen. He, um, I think you know sometimes you know when people get frustrated by Jalen it's because he's dribbling around too much and whatever and you know maybe has a couple turnovers here and there and that's obviously going to happen but when he's just like puts his head down and goes straight to the rim he's unstoppable um, yeah if he gets if he gets his shoulders past the defender it's like there's nothing nothing anyone can do about it and that's that's what I love to see and he did that you know coming out coming out of the second half um and he's yeah. been doing that a lot this year I mean he's another one too that's been um you know he's sacrificed scoring this year to you know, take on He's, other roles. Uh, probably, is, probably the most, probably more than anyone else. Yeah. The sacrificing is is Jalen. I mean, easy to say yeah. that when he's got that contract. But uh, in terms of right. role, I mean, it would be easy for him to be kind of annoyed. And it seems like he's he's learning. He's 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 fitting in. He's finding like how to make this work and where to pick his spots and what the team needs from him and how to accentuate mm-hmm. his skills best. And uh, if we can eliminate the egos and just play as a team, play to win, like. 
it's going to be nice. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much all I got for macro. I mean, you know, we broke right. down the the game in quotes as yeah. much as we could. So. Yeah. Right. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's get into around the NBA before we we go over an hour and uh, piss off our sponsor even further. <laughs> <laughs> no, the the, spon- the sponsor's all in on uh, two hour pods now. So. Ah, <laughs> good. Good to hear. I mean, hey. hey. How many times do you do you win your group in the in season tournament? You gotta you gotta go a little long on that. That's a big deal. Right, so. right, right. Well, <laughs> worst right. case, we don't make it. If we don't make it to an hour, we'll just have some dead air and maybe play some <laughs> some elevator music in the background. We'll play the intro song on loop for a few times. That should do the trick. Exactly. <laughs> um, all right, around the NBA. Uh, uh, so first of all, let's just touch through tonight because it's the last night of group play in the in season tournament. As I already mentioned, the Knicks won their group. The Bucks pulled out a win over the shorthanded Jimmy Butlerless Heat. They won their group. Obviously, the Celtics, we've already discussed how we won our group. And the Indiana Pacers had already clinched and wrapped up their group. So now, as I mentioned earlier, we will play the Pacers. The Knicks will play the Bucks. The two winners will meet in Las Vegas for a shot in the first ever in-season tournament finals. Things on the West are actually still being decided as we speak. The Lakers have already won their group. That happened for tonight. Due to the earlier events with the Timberwolves losing to the Thunder, the Suns have clinched the wild card. The Rockets and the Mavs are going down to the wire. If the Rockets win, they'll win the group. If they lose, the Pelicans will win. And the Warriors and Kings are playing. They're still in the first half. That will decide the final group. The Warriors need to win by 12 or more or the Kings win the group. So that'll be interesting to watch because not only do they need to win, they need to win by 12. So that could be another one of those fun games where it seems like it's a blowout, but uh, they're playing for way more. So again, awesome stuff with the in-season tournament. We will be back next week to break it down when the full bracket is out, uh, the times, the schedule, all that, of course. But uh, again, more great in-season tournament stuff. Moving on around the league, we had Devin Booker and Paolo Bancaro getting the NBA's East and Western Conference Players of the Week for the past week. Um, So I alluded to it earlier, but now that Devin Booker has one player of the week and has clearly kind of established himself as an MVP candidate, one of the best players in the league, the team is 7-0 in their last seven, 8-1 since his return. Um, You know, Tugout's just, he didn't want to face the music. I can't blame him. He is just yeah. taking a beating left and right on this Booker situation. I don't know why he planted his flag acting like he's a load management guy. He's not. Listen, you and I have talked about this for years. We're not Devin Booker guys. I, we're not fanboys. We don't like him, but I, we can't deny what, what we're seeing before our eyes. Devin Booker is no, clearly I, one of the best players in the league. He made that comment about how he didn't want to get double teamed and pick up. Well, whatever. Now he gets double teamed every single night. He's out there the other night playing with Grayson Allen, Bates Diop. Eric Gordon as his wingman with Durant sitting. They're double-teaming him every single possession. It does not matter. He's 28-11. and 11, Game winner. Step back over two guys over Randall and Barrett. Like, what do you want me to say? Devin Booker, one of the best players in the league. Um, I'm sorry to dugouts. Yeah. He needed the night off, but uh, he, he's going to have to come face the music eventually. Wow. Uh, that's a coincidence, though. The day that dugouts needs to is load managing, his boy Devin Booker wins player of the week. Yeah. I don't know if it is a coincidence. I, I don't know. I don't know. Interesting. We'll we'll, we'll dig into that. We'll have we'll see if the intern can get a dig into that one yeah. a little bit. But yeah, it's I mean, very, like you said, very interesting. We're not Booker fans, and I've always had my beef with Booker for one reason or the other. And I don't really know why, because he's obviously really good. <laughs> but I've just like always rooted against him, and 
I really have no reason to root against him. I just, I don't know. I want, I don't want him to be that good. And I, I think is. for me, it was that thing when he was bitching about getting double teamed in like pickup or whatever. And he was like, why, why are you double teaming me in pickup? I thought that was like a loser move. I mean, that was, thought, that was a know, loser. Yeah, how that was he, he didn't make the playoffs for his first like seven years in the league. I just thought he was a loser. I thought he was empty stats, uh, smooth looking mm-hmm. game, but I thought he was, you know, good stats, bad team. And he just, continues to prove me wrong like left and right and now yeah. he's just a stone cold killer uh leading you know one of the best teams and one of the true finals contenders in the league like at a certain point i just you can hate all you want but I, you, you can't deny the guy's brilliance yeah i mean that's ain't it the truth unfortunately it is but it is it is we'll see um, we'll, we'll see right, we'll see what dugouts has to say about it on the next episode uh, yeah well, i'm sure he'll be ominously quiet there all right moving <laughs> on we had uh Kind of an unfortunate story, LaMelo Ball with an kind of mm. ugly-looking injury, and it was he re-injured the same ankle he just had surgically repaired. He sat out tonight. I haven't heard any definitive news. It didn't look great, and obviously, again, that the ankle that was already injured. So, hate to see that. LaMelo Ball was playing great. We saw him, uh, you know, almost single-handedly beat the Celtics. A very impressive performance. He's, again, one of the bright young players in the league. Fun to watch. Um one of the only reasons to watch that Hornets team and had them looking kind of promising for the future. So hope for a speedy recovery. Obviously, the awful injury stuff going on with his brother Alonzo Ball. We could just hope for a speedy recovery for LaMelo. Um, want to see him back on the court the other night. Moving on from there. Uh, the other night, the Sixers last night beat the Lakers by 44 points. 44-point blowout mm. win over the Lakers. Um which is is interesting in and of itself, but also a subplot. That was the biggest loss of LeBron's entire career, 44 points. So uh, he's, you know, in year 21, whatever, 22, and still still setting new records for himself. So for for LeBron, (laughs) (laughs) happy to see that. Um, Our boy Marcus Smart, kind of a, a classic Smart moment. I don't know if you saw this one, but the other night, he obviously is injured in street clothes. He... Kind of vintage Marcus Smart took over the huddle during a timeout and just passionately chewed out his team, telling them it was embarrassing, F-bomb, laden tirade for his team. Um, I mean, to me, this was like epitome of Marcus Smart, just everything about him. I mean, this guy just losing is not in his DNA. He hates it. Uh, I mean, this is what you want. This is like, this is Marcus Smart. This is what he does. And it just, it makes me sick to my stomach. I just feel so bad for the guy to be in this situation. Um, I mean, again, when we traded him to the Grizzlies, it, it seemed like they would be good. Everyone's gotten hurt. Jaws suspended. Season's gone to hell. And guys are just out there not not giving it their all. And, you know, we know what Marcus Smart is not going to stand for that. Um, so, I mean, it was just mm-hmm. kind of a cool moment. Almost brought a tear to the eye. Both sad to see and, like, proud of Marcus for being Marcus and doing what he does. So, you know, miss that kind of intensity, but good to see that he is, you know, he doesn't care how bad the team is. He doesn't care that he's hurt. He is absolutely not going to let anyone not give their all. Um, it really just embodies everything about his kind of like winning personality and the kind of culture he brings to a team. So cool moment that the camera was able to capture that. Um, but again, I mean, sad just to see the state of the Grizzlies, but again, that team is still young. They're going to get healthy. They will eventually be good, and uh, it'll be because of, of guys like Marcus Smart and the kind of things that he brings to that team. So wishing wishing that happens sooner than later, but unfortunately it might might be too late for the season. Um, moving on, we had 
<laughs> an epic, epic toilet bowl last night. I don't know if you caught this one. The 2-14 and 14 Pistons played the 2-14 mm. and 14 Wizards. The Wizards came in on a nine-game losing streak. The Pistons came in on a 14-game losing streak. And the Pistons lost at home by 19 points to push their losing streak now to 14. Sorry, it was a 13-game losing streak. Now it's 14. Uh, I mean, we talked about the Bulls as one of the grimmest scenes in the league. But this Pistons scene, it is bad. And it's in many ways worse because it, it shouldn't be this bad. You look at the Pistons roster. They have a lot of good young players. Some who are even good. I mean, I I love Osar Thompson. I really like Jalen Duran. Uh, Jaden Ivey, I think, is solid, but, like, weirdly misused. I don't know what the coaches are doing. Um, they made weird trades, giving up Sadiq Bey to take a chance on James Wiseman. They took a chance on Marvin Bagley. It seems like they're forcing stuff. Cade Cunningham, it's still hard to tell if he's good, if he's the guy. Like, I could see him going to another team and just being awesome. Uh, it's Like, I don't know if he's just overtasked and they have no shooting around him or if he's just really, like, not efficient enough to be the main piece on an offense. Um, it's pretty depressing. I follow a lot of a lot of Pistons Twitter guys, and uh, it, it's grim. So another, another, you know, proud, proud franchise, one of the cornerstones of the NBA, and it's just, like, really really bad to see what's going on i saw some detroit fans saying that this piston team is worse than you know the 0 and 16 lions they just have no Jesus. fight um and it's sad for again a team that's compiled a lot of what i would say is good young talent to be in this kind of dark of a place at this point uh so i don't i don't know what's going to happen i've seen guys talking about just trading Cade before his value gets lower and trying to even wow. kind of push the rebuild down the road so Grim scene, but again, now they're in a 14-game losing streak, and if you look at that upcoming schedule, when they're losing at home to the Wizards by 19, like I don't know where they're where they're getting wins uh, unless something changes, and they just paid Monty Williams a bazillion dollars to come and coach this team. So like, I don't know, I don't know what they're gonna do. They got to get rid of Troy Weaver, the GM. I think is probably the step one, um, but it's it's gonna take a lot of steps to get back to anywhere. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of like goes you know goes back to the whole Bulls scenario we saying how they're just a miserable horrible team mm. uh, and you know a cornerstone NBA franchise but at least Detroit has promising young yeah. potential stars so right. um you know it's not I mean, as depressing <laughs> there's more hope they but, uh, the team blows they should, they should, but they should be they way have, better yeah yeah so i don't know i mean you'd think you know with that they have a pile of assets. I mean, pick player-wise, I don't know. If they want to figure out, you know, the one or two or three guys they want to keep around and then trade Cade, like you said, and I don't know, keep put, kicking the can down the road. But something's got to change there. They've been, um, <laughs> Something, they've been something's got to change. They're, they're a fun little team if they They should be. Better. That's, that's the worst part. Be. It's it's fine that they're bad, but they should at least be fun and show signs of like nights where they're like, Pro oh, okay. progression. I can I can, I can yeah. see what it's gonna be, but uh, yeah, again, that's that's not. And last night was kind of the the peak of the depression, but we'll see, we'll see. Um, stay in that game, but on the other side, Jordan Poole, this man is like a reverse highlight reel. The stuff he's doing, I mean, <laughs> it's like every game. It's some, he's like a JaVale McGee. Remember JaVale McGee when he would make like a Shaq and a Fool play like every night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Jordan yeah. Poole is like the guard version of that, but has the ball yeah. all the time. I mean, it's it's a comedy of errors left and right. Um, 
it, last night it was he kind of made like a he stopped and almost like paused like he was a video game and he like dropped the controller like froze <laughs> and then went up for like a comical slow motion super high finger roll and uh i don't know who it was i think it was also our thompson came over and just swatted it like to the moon uh, uh so it's like again it's one or two plays a game where i'm just like what is he doing that wizard's team i mean talk about there's tanking and then there's whatever the hell the wizards are doing um but it's gruesome but i guess not really much to comment on that other than with every passing day of watching jordan Poole play basketball is um is draymond green somehow like gaining the moral high ground and people are like okay i, I think i can actually see why he <laughs> in the face like i think draymond green actually might have been like on the right side of that one is that a crazy take no not at all and I mean, it's, that is actually is a very good point with the, uh, looks like somebody dropped the controller or, you know, I have my, I have my moments in 2K where it's like, I hit the wrong button and it ends up being a, yeah. instead of a jump shot, it's a, yeah. it's an attempted at layup and it gets, it gets swatted to the moon. But yeah, he's, he's a weird dude. And, um, I don't know. He, <laughs> he still thinks he's like something he's not, I don't know. I mean, he, he was obviously a good player for. Golden State when he was, yeah. you know, surrounded by Hall of Famers, but apparently that's all he is. And there was, I think there was he, another he edit I saw ring, on Twitter. There was another edit I saw on Twitter too. It was, um, you know, they like slowed down. He was he was dribbling the ball up the court. Uh, someone set a pick for him. He like did this really unnecessary spin move <laughs> uh, behind the three. Had this like just ridiculous spin, like pull up three. And it was like in slow motion. It just went, you know, off like the top of the backboard. <laughs> it was yeah. just like it's just weird. It's just it's weird what he's doing. I don't know. I, I don't know. You, you'd think, think he just wanted. Well, I think, like I said, he got his ring. He got paid. He now gets to be the guy because the Wizards, I think, are more than happy to tank, and they're like, "This is the perfect guy to lead the tank. Yeah. He's good yeah, enough to like have the ball and run the offense, but bad enough that we will never win a game." And uh, exactly. I think the Wizards are just thrilled with what he's doing because he's helping them tank, which is should be their goal. Uh, and it seems to be working well, so that leads me to believe, you know, he's going to stay in this position, and it's going to be fun to watch all year. I mean, this could be an all-time, like, bad team. I can't wait. Um, Dragonfly Jones on Twitter, great follow. He has started a thread of twi of uh, Wizards and mostly pool lowlights. Great thread. Uh, go out there. If you can catch that, you'll see some some comical plays, the, all the ones we've talked about, and, and several more. And I'm sure that is a thread that will keep getting longer and longer as the season progresses. It's a, it's a it's a must bookmark, so to speak. But um, anyway, moving on, the Clippers. It seemed like the Clippers were trending in the right direction. They had one four or five. Uh, they were looking good. It seemed like they were getting things together with Harden in the starting lineup, Westbrook on the bench. We were kind of coming around to okay, I see it. And then last night they had. One of the worst losses you will see probably all season. I mean, we saw, we thought the Lakers lost by 44 points to Philly was bad. Somehow the Clippers managed to one-up them by losing at home to the Denver Nuggets on a back-to-back -back without Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, and Aaron Gordon. They were at full strength with all of their big four trying their hardest for the win. Uh, went into the fourth quarter with an 11-point lead and lost to essentially former Clippers Reggie Jackson and DeAndre Jordan. Uh, Reggie Jackson, I think, had 32 points and, like, 15 assists or something. DeAndre Jordan had 21 points, 5 assists, and, like, 12 rebounds. Uh, I mean, if Reggie Jackson and DeAndre Jordan are beating you, if it's 2014, I guess you can live with that. But for that to happen last night to this team, I mean, this is, like I said, 
it's an NBA regular season game, but this is like a wake up call, eye opening, what the hell is going on kind of loss. Um, I think this is like a hit the panic button type of loss because the Clippers again were trying, the Nuggets were seemingly throwing in the towel, sending these guys out there, and it was just um, uh, yikes, just all around yikes type of game. Um, so well, Reggie, Clippers... Reggie got his his uh, tribute video too before the game, right? So that's something uh, yeah. to play for. Yeah, um, I, I just I don't I don't know that Clippers team. I don't know what you're doing. It just looked bad again. Like everyone looked bad, but Kawhi just doesn't does not look like himself. Paul George I think had like three points. Um, Harden and Harden getting blown by left and right. Like I I don't know. I don't know. It's it's tough. It's tough. It's gonna be a long one. But this was. It seemed like they had taken a few steps forward, and this was like twenty steps back. So uh, yeah, scary loss if you're a Clippers fan for sure. Uh, just a couple more. CJ McCollum, we saw he had that, uh, what was it, a collapsed lung, punctured lung. I forget what it was. Scary situation, but he has returned. He was at shoot-around today and is, is nearing a return. So great news, CJ McCollum, just a, a likable guy, uh, been a great great NBA player, great great face for the NBA for a while, good role player. The Pelicans are starting to play well, so hopefully he can kind of fit in there and, and help that keep going. And then the last thing that came through today, weird story, Mark Cuban selling – uh, a majority stake in the Mavericks. So bizarre story kind of out of nowhere. I, at least out of nowhere to me. And I'm, I feel like I'm pretty locked into the NBA. I didn't know anything about this, uh, but just saw it come through today. So it sounded like it's, it's kind of a unique situation where he sold a majority stake, but he's still is in charge of like the basketball ops. So he's still kind of like the face of ownership and will be the decision maker. Um, but he, Sold the majority stake of the Mavs for three and a half billion dollars to the Adelson family, who are casino tycoons. Um, but again, he is keeping his shares in the team and full control of basketball operations. So uh, it's it's I guess hard for me to say how big of a story this is. If anything's going to change on the surface, uh, what this I guess means in the grand scheme of things, but uh, certainly a, a big headline and, and kind of a weird one that I did not see coming. I had yeah I had the Mark Cuban story as well and something about it seems weird and I know it's just like a little unconventional um, you know because he's con- keeping control of basketball operations he's retaining some shares and I don't know it says from everything I read it says he's sold the majority of shares for a valuation of three point five billion so hmm. I think that means however much he sold the shares for the value of the team. Is, that projects the value of the team to be three point five billion. So I, I don't, I don't gotcha. think he's actually. I think it's like, you know, Shark Tank, where it's like we'll give you ten percent of the company <laughs> right. for hundred thousand dollars, giving your company a valuation of you know a million dollars or whatever. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's true or not, but anyway. So if that's the case, then that's a little strange because if they're valuing Dallas at three point five billion, you know, the Suns just got sold for four. The Bucks got sold at a valuation of three and a half, Hornets for three, and you'd think like, you know, Dallas is the fifth largest media market in the country. They're yeah. only if they're only valued at three and, and they, a half, and they have one of there's the something best weird about players that. in the league. Like, like yeah, yeah, exactly, international superstar. It's like you'd think who's young. So I don't know. Yeah, so you'd think like a team like that would be at least worth more than the Suns. I mean. I don't know. It, it just seems like a seems, low valuation, yeah. and it seems like very rushed and out of nowhere. So I don't know if there's well. So again, I, I wonder: it, is but. he selling for 
below value in part because he gets to keep the operational control yeah. of the team and his shares. Like, I wonder if that was yeah. part of it. I, I don't know. I, it's all I think, I think that's, that's a good point. Work. And there's definitely, there's definitely something more to it. I, I think, um, you know, I'm not saying it's some big, like, you know, there's going to be some big earth shattering conspiracy or anything. I just, there's, there's probably a couple more things that we're not, you know, privy yeah. to or we might not know about but right um, and like i said it just, might be one of those things where in a week we kind of forget about it and cuban is still sitting courtside and is the face of yeah. kind of the team and we forget this ever happened or it might be this the, the first domino of some huge thing that changes the face of the, the mavericks and whatever like yeah. I, don't, I don't know but it's it certainly uh came out of left field at least to me and is is a very very interesting story to watch so i'll, yeah. I'll be I mean, curious he, to see how it plays out it could just be like like you said, as simple as he doesn't he doesn't want to own a team anymore. He just wants to run the basketball operation, and yeah. cashing out, and they, they're letting him hard still to do blame that, him so if whatever. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I had the Cuban as my number one. I also had Lamelo. Yeah, um, Lamelo, like you said too, is obviously that's a tough one. He's been playing like unbelievable basketball, like twenty six and eight and six or mm. something crazy um yeah. fun to watch you know obviously the only like you said the only reason really to watch charlotte um but you know he's 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 got uh he's got balls you know he plays with passion and um you know oh balls no uh no pun intended but huh. he's um he's it's it's a tough one it's tough to see anybody get hurt and i also had mccollum uh coming back from the collapsed lung. And I know when we saw the news come out, we were talking to each other and, you know, we were worried if he was going to, you know, live. And then we realized it was just apparently mm-hmm. that big of a deal. It happens, you know, pretty regularly, but it's good to see that it wasn't that big a deal. I think he missed 11 games and that Pelicans team is like sneaky, decent in a loaded Western conference. I mean, I would say I more than like... sneaky, decent. They had a slow start, but I think they're finding uh, their way to play together. Zion, and Ingram have have figured it out. They're playing really well. The other players are kind of falling into their roles. Mm-hmm. Herb Jones into the starting lineup. I mean, he's been awesome, perfect blue guy. So they've got all the talent in the world. It's always been kind of a matter of just the top two guys staying healthy and figuring out how to play mm-hmm. together. Ingram had an awful start. He looks way better. They figured it out, although they did just lose back-to-back games to the Jazz, who uh, are another fun team who's not as good. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I've been high on the Pelicans. I think if they can stay healthy – they will be a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, so I mean, it'll be fun to have him back and see. You know, he's obviously mm-hmm. a veteran, and he, yeah, he is what he is. Shooting. He's a very good they player, good scorer, good shooter. So he'll, yeah. you know, it'd be fun to see what what happens with that team. And then mm-hmm. the only other thing I had was Lakers lose by forty four, and you know, no really other comments on that. It's just fun to say that the Lakers lost by forty four. So <laughs> that's yeah. that's really it. The Lakers are. 4-0 and in in-season tournament games, and then I believe they are, was it 5-8 and in uh, non-in-season tournament games? 6-8 maybe in non-in-season tournament games, so just something interesting Sounds there. Sounds right, yeah. For what it's worth. Yeah, but, yeah. So they, they turn it on in the playoffs slash in-season tournament, <laughs> yeah. Month, right? Slash yeah, exactly, the in-season tournament. We As we mentioned last episode, it's like, you know, LeBron's going to go all out for this because he knows that they're not a real championship contender. If they win the yeah. in-season tournament, you know he'll be up there saying that everybody doubted him and that this is somehow, you know, a bigger <laughs> achievement than any other thing has they ever been They didn't believe done. in us. 
And if they lose, he'll laugh and say, oh, like the in-season tournament, nobody ever cared about that. So, I mean, it's, it's oh, a perfect, what's perfect setup for, for LeBron. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a can't-lose situation for him, so. Yeah. Um, good Maybe good for right. LeBron. Yeah, vintage LeBron. Hey, like, I, I believe as Doug <laughs> said last episode, MJ never won an in-season tournament, so. Exactly. <laughs> he ne- that's the, that's a trophy more, that MJ will not LeBron. have on his mantle. Exactly. Yes. Unless, uh, yeah, unless the Hornets win at this. And now I just kidding. All right. Anything, uh, anything <laughs> else for around the NBA? That's all I had. All right. Those are good. Fortunately, I didn't have anything to add to your points, but that's I had all the same ones. But <laughs> no, that's apparently, it's a slow night in the NBA. No, the it's quite the opposite. A law <laughs> outside of the in season tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, we just had the Dallas game just went final. The Mavericks won, so that means the Pelicans win the group. So again. We already mentioned it's Pacers Celtics on the in the East. It's Pacers Celtics, Knicks Bucks, and in the West now it's Lakers versus Suns. And then the Pelicans will take on either the Warriors or the Kings. The Warriors are currently up by 17. They need to win by at least 12. So uh, that could actually be a fun finish. So if you're just quickly glancing at the scoreboard, seeing oh it's a 17 point game at half, I'm gonna go to bed. No, no, no. The Kings only no, no, need no. to come within 12 to win the group, so that could could still be a very interesting and fun one to watch. Do not sleep on that. Um, but that is about it. So we've already gone, we're almost at an hour and 10 minutes here. It's getting towards 11.30 on the East Coast, Tuesday, November 28th. Our sponsor is going to kill us. So I will shout out our sponsor once again, Nick Perino, our co-host tonight, and our sponsor, nickperino.com. Go there for all your real estate needs. Also go there to find the Chuddy's Corner blog. You'll see blog posts such as the NBA Power Rankings from King Chuddy. Again, please go find the show on Apple, on Spotify, on Google, on Stitcher, on Podbean, on whatever other app you get your podcasts from. Subscribe, follow, rate, review, all that stuff. We are going to love that. Find us on Twitter, at Chuddy's Corner. The account was live tweeting out through every Celtics game. Lots of great tweets out there, getting lots of interaction. Give us your feedback. We love to hear from our fans. Follow me at King Chuddy. Follow Nick at underscore Nick Prano. Follow our load managing co-host at Doug underscore Outs, who's not with us tonight. Do it all. Get after us. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on TikTok, Facebook. Wherever you engage on social media, we are out there. Get Get at us. We love it. We want the interaction. We feed off of it. We love it. Thank you again, everyone, for joining us on a great night for the Celtics with a 124-97 win over the Bulls that helped us seal up Group C in the in-season tournament, saw us moving on to the quarterfinals, and saw us improving our record on the season to 14-4, and best record in the entire NBA. The Celtics will get two nights off Wednesday and Thursday, We will be back at it Friday night against one of our most bitter rivals, the Philadelphia 76ers. Could at that point be a clash of the top two teams in the East, live from the Boston Garden. Friday night, it'll be December 1st, 7.30, night game. Should be a good, raucous crowd. Uh, What are you you looking forward to in that one? Anything specific? I mean, I think Philly-Boston, everyone knows what to expect by now. But uh, Is Doris on the call? Uh, well, I don't. I only watch the RSN. So, Scal and Mike Gorman will be on the call in my living room. She was she was on uh, the low post that I was listening to, and she conceded that the Celtics are the best team in the East. 
Um, wow. But but how, Philly's how not too far behind. Uh, so <laughs> I think that's fair. That's she, fair. Yeah, no, she's not wrong. Fair, she's not wrong on that. No. I look forward but, to yeah. uh, seeing. You know, it's it's always nice nice family reunion when Al Horford gets to see his son Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> should should be a fun night. Those games are always give fun. him a little noggy. It'll, of course, be even more fun if the Celtics pull out another victory um, and increase their lead in the Eastern Conference. Uh, so thank you, all you chuddy heads and chudlings, for joining us tonight. We appreciate it. We've gone a little long, but we had a lot to talk about. And again, we had our first appearance from Nick Perino, one of the founding fathers of Chuddy's Corner. Always good to get him on the pod. He is up. Folks, he is up so far past his bedtime. I can't even explain it to you. So again, I can't. I can't say how much. Right I can't say how much we appreciate him joining us tonight. We hope it won't be the last time. But uh, I'm sure he's going to have to sleep this one off. Probably he might not wait, get out of bed again until Friday for uh, for the Celtics Sixers game. But that's that's just the level of commitment we here at Chuddy's Corner have to the podcast game, to mm-hmm. the Celtics, to the NBA, to giving you our fans all of the best content. Uh, as fast as we can. So, again, Nick, we appreciate it. Chudlings, we appreciate it. Everybody, we appreciate it. Thank you again for joining us. We will see you Friday. Thank you. And go Celtics. And peace out, Chuddy Heads. Good night, Chudlings. <laughs>